0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CDL podcast channel. Uh, In this episode of the podcast today, we've got a little more excitement uh, because Kyle and I asked for more news and we kind of received. We got a lot of spicy talk this week uh, with Krim being on the flank and kind of his debate uh, that ended up not being as heated as we thought it might be uh, with the GM of the L.A. Gorillas and then Slasher came on the flank, kind of spilled um a lot of his thoughts on the past season with 100t and la thieves uh, as well as some some stuff that kind of really made his year a tough one for him uh we had some retirements with aqua we had some rumors with the new washington roster everyone's making a top 30 list uh we're going to talk about all that stuff as well as uh kind of some ideas kyle and i might have to potentially improve the cdl format see if they'll hire us and take our ideas uh before we get into any of the news uh, and questions we have for the week kyle how are you doing today
1: I'm doing great. We have, um, you know, like you mentioned, a lot of good, uh, good news topics on, on the, on the slate today. Um, I feel like we could easily, you know, spend, you know, a good chunk of the podcast just going over, you know, the, those topics and kind of opening up some of those, uh, you know what the can of worms would be with those and uh just like i i think they spark a lot a lot of bigger discussion um and obviously uh you know improving the cdl cdl format is one of my uh has has been one of my big uh desires to talk about so uh i'm 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 excited to record today
0: yeah i think it's gonna be a fun one especially because this is the first podcast we've come into i mean at least a month and been excited for the news that we have instead of uh the topic that we're going to discuss more like there's there's some good news this week but before we get into news i want to give a shout out to the audio platforms if everybody could go drop a follow on those and start listening on those we're trying to kind of get the analytics up and get the get the play time up on the audio platforms we've seen a pretty big jump in listening on there which is awesome to see um we're trying to keep growing that so if you guys are listening on audio platform and can drop a follow. We also post polls uh in there for kind of like a weekly question, um, for a debate topic. So if we start getting some more uh votes on those, we can maybe discuss them um in the following pod after it's posted. Um but I think we can get right into the topics. Uh we're gonna start out with actually a Reddit topic uh that I saw this week. Uh actually it was just scrolling through Reddit a little bit. it was looking at if there was some interesting discussion going on in there. I didn't see a ton um, of like unusual stuff, kind of stuff you normally see in the daily discussion thread. But then I saw somebody um, Slayerado is a user, just COD competitive fan, it says here. He listed a question um, up for discussion that said could a Black Ops 3 or Black Ops 4-esque game with specialists and operators uh, and pick and ban work for comp? Said he just had this idea thinking about the BO3 ban, uh, ban and protect system. Seems like a cool concept, sort of like Valorant, but with League of Legends pick and ban system in a COD game. That's something that I thought was super interesting. I know Kyle and I talked about it a little bit before the podcast, um, and he's not as familiar with the Black Ops 3 and 4 style games. It's a little before um, his timeline into competitive COD, but I thought this was something that's a little interesting. I don't think it'll ever happen, but I think it's something that like we could look at um, with a thing like League of Legends, which is obviously super successful, way bigger than COD, and even Valorant, which is blowing up right now, and they have, like, heroes, which is what we had in Black Ops 4 with the specialists, like Grav Slam, Tempest. I think it'd be somewhat interesting if we had, like, mini specialists in the game, just, like, with slight abilities. Like, nothing crazy like a grapple and all that, but, like, one of them had, like, the sticky nade that they could use that would cluster, and just, like, random little things that were little abilities, and they could ban and protect them, just to add a little bit of uh, variety into the game. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah,
1: um, I don't know it'd be kind of interesting like I I'm kind of I'll kind of ask you the question like what was the competitive like chatter when stuff like the Tempest and Grav Slam and uh, like stuff like that was when those were in the game like was there a big contingent of you know active players calling for those to be ga 8 or taken
0: out or so can you, can you shine some light on that? It basically was almost, at least in my, from my point of view, uh, it was almost like a split. Like the fans and the players were almost against each other, but players also recognized that specialists were fun and they were entertaining and they made for highlight plays. Like they created memes as well uh, on the LG team in BO4. Slack was the guy that used the grab slam and he was like famously known for the first like few months of the game for being like so historically bad with it. Like he couldn't get a kill with it, even though it was like the best specialist. And they called it like the chat would spam slack slam when somebody had a terrible grab slam, like it became a meme. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, like a big moment when LG, like I believe it was a tournament they won or maybe it was just during a league match. But he just like ran out of showers on gridlock, slammed, popped a five piece with it, got the entire team. And then like it became like a whole meme that like he turned it around. It wasn't a slack slam anymore. And then people started making fun of Teej for being horrible at it. And then like at one event. They made it a thing where like if you got a three piece with it everybody got free tacos and like it just became like a cool like thing for the fans and like so many of the highlights from black ops 4 and even black ops 3 not as much black ops 3 because they're the specials were actually better in black ops 4 but like so many of the highlights from the first tournament are dashy with the tempest and then there's a lot of slam plays like karma had a insane slam play uh, when he was using the grapple Maddox for optic and like there's just a ton of situations where like Huge highlight reels came from a person like going crazy with their specialist and like from a fan perspective, it's so entertaining. I get from the player perspective. It's a little fluky and maybe like creates kind of like non-competitive scenarios. But I think if you made the specialists a little less OP, but still allowed them to have like exciting plays, it would make the league so much more entertaining. And that's. I, I get where the players are coming from but like it just made everything so entertaining that like you think a guy could be back against a wall but then dash you could pull the tempest and pop a five piece and like get you back in the game it was just something that just added that extra element of like you're never out of the game which as a fan makes it more exciting yeah
1: i mean uh you know some of the vods i've watched back from like black ops 3 uh some of those like you know you, you see players like pulling out like the scythe and stuff like that
0: like yeah. uh, were those along, th- that was kind of along the same line yeah that's of, those uh... are basically the same thing as like the tempest and everything but like yeah. the scythe wasn't as as good and the tempest wasn't as good in black ops 3 they were definitely still good uh the one that was just op in black ops 3 that would have been g8 uh, like instantly if the game was still played was active camel you literally went invisible mm-hmm. and like there was like heat wave which just basically like stunned you so you couldn't see or move like those would be banned if it was today but like A crazy play with like the weapons just was like just so cool to me
1: yeah i mean it'd be interesting to see like obviously they'd have to be built into the game and they'd have to be relatively balanced um but you know i i don't think it's impossible that we would ever you know that we would never see these things again uh
0: and if they're if they're little ones like in black ops you had like glitch um, where you just, like, teleport back in time to, like, a spot t- that you were 10 seconds earlier. Like, nothing that'll make you pop, like, a five-piece. I think just adding that little wrinkle into the game, or, like, there was one called Psychosis, where you just, like, uh, pop your specialist in Black Ops Three and it would just put three little clones of you that would just run in a straight line. So you could tell they were the fake ones, but, like, you could maybe bait somebody into shooting to, like, give up their position. Just, like, little things like that that you could... You could... Each team could ban two specialists so the other team couldn't pick it, and then you could just have, like, a little... uh like just a little bit of a strategy war before the game. Like, you know, dash is really good with this. If you could ban him from it or crims really good with this, you can ban him from that and like force them to like put together a new meta. It just be something I think that would add an extra wrinkle and I'm all for more strategy. It's obviously something that probably won't happen, but I just thought it was a really interesting question to discuss and kind of get us warmed up to talk about the news. Yeah.
1: I mean, like you said, I mean, it's, it's all for at the end of the day, like, you know, we have to kind of can, we, we have to balance the, what's competitive with what you know uh you know plays well on the screen mm-hmm. um yeah you know, i i wouldn't be opposed to seeing you know a, a quad feed in the you know on on the on the kill cam and stuff but uh i don't know i mean it would just have to be it would it, you know it'd have to be kind of, kind of like a perfect storm of uh you know what yeah. what happens so
0: yeah, we've, we've definitely got to balance the competitive product. But at the end of the day, I mean, the viewers uh, are kind of what drives the league. And if, if we can get a big uptick in viewers from just a little bit of excitement that keeps the game competitive, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. But getting into the news, uh, we're going to start off hot right away. We're going to start out with a guy that always makes headlines. Uh, and they're usually always funny, Mr. Crim6. Uh, he kind of went on a little bit of a rampage this whole week, pretty much on Twitter uh, since our last podcast. He called out about a quarter of the league right away for paying the minimum, then kind of walked that back a little bit on the flank when they actually talked about it, like when he was uh, just not tweeting. He kind of talked about how it was really only one team and Methods mentioned, yeah, it's like one team and another team that's paying very close to the minimum. Not sure who that other team is, but I think we all know the one team paying only the minimum is Paris. They didn't really want to say it understandably because they're all involved with the league. They probably don't want to get fined, but we can say it. We're not involved with the league. We know it's Paris paying the minimum and really doing nothing to help the league. Um, Kind of the first thing we want to talk about was what is this like with a team paying the minimum, not willing to do content? Certain other teams paying close to the minimum, not really willing to do much uh, in terms of content. Uh, what does that do for the sustainability of the league going forward?
1: Yeah, my thought, uh, you know, from that, I think Krim was actually really well spoken on this. Um, you know, maybe he got a little bit excited with calling, like, uh, appearing to call out. You know a quarter of the league um yeah but you know i i think his underlying point of uh you know once you know if that becomes like the status quo where you know if you're not gonna accept a minimum contract okay effort, we're gonna go get you know another guy that will um mm-hmm. you know kind of like it, it devalues the players and the brands that they bring to the to a team um and then that also opens up the door for you know these players to go off and play Warzone or play something else where you know to stream. Um so you know I think we all know like obviously like the Twitch revenues were leaked a few weeks ago. We saw yeah. how much some of these big streamers are making. Um, you know, just in a calendar year. Uh like, you know, ex coach and ex, you know, great player teepees making like over a million bucks yeah. uh you know that's far far above the league minimum uh so you know just kind of it, it's a big can of worms but i i think it's worth diving into
0: yeah if you're one of those players that's uh like a guy like methods who's kind of on the fringe of the league not 100 sure if he's gonna get a roster spot certainly is good enough to still compete at the highest level but had now has like eight nine thousand subscribers on his stream and is a very, very good Call of Duty player, obviously, that if he transitioned and wanted to play Warzone, he would probably pretty quickly get to the top of the tournaments and place well in tournaments and potentially win some more money. And you see the Twitch revenues, like you said, and how much people are making. There's really more money to be made unless unless you're like on phase from last year and you're winning every tournament to get all that prize money. There's really more money to be made in streaming. So if people are just consistently offering you the minimum... Unless you're a player trying to break into the league, like methods can make probably four times that in just a couple months. Uh, then his minimum salary would be if he wanted to play for Paris. Like pretty soon Paris is just going to be the team that only like four challengers players that are really just looking to get their shot in the league sign with. Uh it's it's scary for the league. That's why I agreed with Krim. Um it's very scary for the league going forward if if teams are only willing to pay the minimum because of the fact that uh, the option of warzone and streaming is so readily available for a lot of these players because their personalities, especially the older ones, uh, they've been building this personality within this community for so many years that they're going to be just fine if they flip to a stream right away. Especially with gifted subs and everything on Twitch, like it, it's a scary, scary, uh, just kind of time, I guess, for the league with with teams doing this. Hopefully, Paris sells their spot and gets a more competitive team in here, or uh, we see expansion, get more teams that want to be in, uh, but. It's scary, I would say, for sure.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like, you can kind of draw a parallel to almost to like professional sports where obviously, like, if you take a sport like baseball, you have like rich, you have like uber rich teams like the Yankees, the Dodgers, and then you have like the lower revenue teams that, you know, they can only their roster might only be like, you know, a fraction of what the upper ones are. But then, you know, once, you know, if they have one or two good players, you know, they're not going to be able to keep them for long before they get bought out. I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. think that that correlates to the CDL at this point, since we only have 12 teams and 48 players, Um, you know, everybody pretty much knows who the, the really good players are, but, you know, maybe, maybe a guy like Standy, for example, like maybe they signed him on a you know, a minimum ish, you know, value. And then when it, com- when it comes time for him to re up, he could get offered, you know, six figures easily. Um, yeah. And you know, whether, you know, it it could be like, who's going to pay the most. And like, if he has a good agent that's looking out for his best interests, you know, he's going to be like, Hey, like, you know, Dallas or, you know, the uh the chicago spot or whoever they're offering you like 500k and you know you know i don't know that's just is something but you know then you draw that back to um you know crim's thought of like if teams are only willing to pay the minimum and nothing more then that kind of just like devalues the that franchise spot and it devalues the competitiveness of the league because you're not getting the best talent because the best talent is going to go stream and play Warzone or, you know, play Valorant or do something. And
0: kind of speaking yeah, towards that, that's obviously 100% true. And also like the kind of other piece we talked on, also getting into our next little piece that we had under the Crim Flank with the Hex um, soliciting collaboration from other orgs. He was trying to apparently that's what they said in the flank. He was trying to collab with other organizations to do content, uh, and half of them didn't respond or a bunch of them didn't respond and just didn't even like give him the time of day. And he's like, hex doesn't need uh, the viewers from the Paris Legion, all two of them, to help the uh, the optic Chicago spot <laughs> get more fans and more viewers. They need him uh, to potentially become more popular. and like for Paris, it's kind of an anomaly because I just genuinely think they don't care about growing and they just don't care about their spot. But for other teams that maybe aren't doing a ton of content, uh, maybe a team like Florida or London who are pretty good on Twitter, but maybe aren't posting a ton of YouTube content. I mean, you've got teams like Toronto and Minnesota who are posting pretty good content, even like Dallas who has a pretty popular brand cause they win so much uh, in envy, but they don't have a ton of views in their content. Uh, if there's teams like LA thieves uh, and optic, the two teams that just, get boatloads of views like if they're offering to do collaborations with you you've got to do it and like they don't realize like teams like optic and thieves are always gonna be popular with hex and Shot heading it up but like teams like minnesota and new york who are kind of posting a ton of content and really using a guy like zuma to, to forward them and uh the rocker really making a lot of content and re- having midnight kind of back that up and make good content for them, they don't realize how much it's going to impact them. Uh, Let's say the CDL does make it 20 plus years uh, and these teams are super popular. Like you said with baseball, that's going to start impacting things here if we make it 10, 15 plus years where Rocker and Subliners have a huge following. Their content uh, has a ton of followers and they're making a lot of money off of it. They're considered a bigger org. They can pay more money to their players and they're willing to fill out more of the salary cap. That's going to make a big difference and some of these teams are really going to regret not making content in my opinion if we end up uh, blowing up like we hope the league does to maybe twenty plus teams and stuff. Does that kind of make sense?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole like I, I I thought the whole reason why they you know had to choose geographical locations and um do all this was to kind of build a grassroots like support from their like locality. And you know, unfortunately, with Chicago, it didn't really work out for Optic as we have like that rumored Dallas merger. Um, you know, that's for various other reasons though. Um, but you know, I, I feel like te- teams like New York and Minnesota have really kind of gone on with that. And then obviously hundred thieves being headquartered in LA, they actually have a brick and mortar like headquarters there, um, for the, yeah. you know, the thieves and stuff. But, um, and then obviously phase is phase. Like, like um, I think they're kind of all scattered around like the South southeast you know texas area atlanta obviously um but you know obviously they're they're a giant org as well um but you know a lot of a lot of these other teams you know maybe they were banking on having you know a land and then you know but who knows what they were going to do after that like um oh and t- i in uh toronto toronto's another team that's really been doing good with like the whole uh content and like kind of yeah. growing from there i don't want to Forget about them. Uh but yeah, uh you know, obviously if a guy like Hector comes knocking, you should uh you know you should be asking him what you can do for him instead of like, you know, how can yeah, he,
0: he help me? Like he needs no um, help from anybody besides maybe LA Thieves to get in new viewers. Maybe the only team that could offer him new viewers. Right. And I mean, uh
1: Yeah. Like I, I feel like you know, one of the big steps with growing a brand is definitely doing content like video content podcasts. Um, you know, even if they're like, how cool it would have been if like, you know, you had, uh, the, the optic guys playing like paintball against the, uh, the mutineers yeah. or something like, just like that would be like a million plus views in like, you know, without, yeah. a, without a doubt, like just, it doesn't even have to be call of duty related. It could be like, we go bowling or, you know, yeah, and we,
0: then... uh, all of a sudden yeah. one person's personality they do with Florida and Sky's personality shines out like, oh he's a really cool dude. A bunch of Sky's fans come from that video, and then he's really popular. That makes Florida popular. Like it's so simple. Like it it almost seems too simple to be true, but they just it's like either they don't get it or they don't care enough to want to get it. Like it's absurd to me.
1: Right. And I mean one last thing I have to say on that is like maybe a lot of teams are like using like, you know, they're like, Oh, like we're still, you know, pandemic, whatever. Um but you know i I just hope that you know a lot of those attitudes will start to change, and teams will realize that you know you know we kind of have to balance you know the whole reality of this of the current world with you know this is a business, and we are we do have like you know obligations to meet to you know be able to pay our players to be able to you know run our org a lot of these teams are backed by you know investors who want some kind of return on their money so uh yeah, I just I just hope that you know more teams will be, you know, self sufficient, I guess, and you know you don't have to wait for hacks to come begging you to make content.
0: Yeah, I agree. We can move on to the next little part of the Crim Flank. Uh, Moral of the story for the content piece, though, Kyle and I will come uh, be the official podcast of any franchise. We'll sell out for any of you. We'll be the official podcast of the Paris Legion if we have to. That'd be uh, an awesome gig. I don't know what we'd have to talk about because they're probably not going to have a roster until the day before the season. But we'll sell out for any of you franchises. Come hit us up. But the other thing we want to talk about under the Crim Flank um, was a little bit of the LAG general manager. uh, Alex Rubens was... On the flank with Krim, Uh, I was really impressed with him. Obviously, haven't really heard much about him, don't know much about him because he isn't like a super involved person in the Call of Duty scene before the CDL. But it was really interesting to hear him talk. He kind of gave that perspective that we always ask for, like, what goes through an org's head when they're signing players? Like, why did they sign these certain players? LAG was a mess these last two years. We thought they weren't really trying to be competitive. He kind of shined a new light as to what really happened with their roster construction uh, over the past few years, which is really interesting for me to hear because... Like we always assume like laG didn't care, but from the sounds of it, they were paying their players a lot. It's just they couldn't get the right roster. So they were going with what they thought was the best option. is basically what I took from it. Like he said that first year, uh, apparently laG was one of the last teams into the league, which obviously we don't really know the order they came in. But apparently, the gorillas were one of the last teams into the league, and a lot of the rosters were basically solidified. So they didn't have much to pick from. And Alex came into the mix pretty late. didn't have uh, much time, and he was basically presented with, couple different options and aches came to him with his team and his vision and stuff with uh, bevels and ricky who are still the coaches uh and i guess that's the vision he liked the best he said the other options even in hindsight he says the other options weren't any better so that says a lot because that lag team year one was bad uh and then they basically get rid of the whole roster they have vivid going into the second year and he said they really were looking to put players around vivid but a lot of people wanted to be teams of four and they had a lot of established stuff. Uh, And they weren't really willing to get rid of vivid since he was like the one bright spot of their first year and they thought they could build around him. So nobody wanted to come in groups of three. The one group that wanted to come in a group of three was that former EG squad minus aches. So that was kind of their best option once again. Uh, And they said they've been paying even their substitutes. They had a full substitute challengers team. They were paying them over the league minimum. Like they're certainly shelling out the money. It's not like they're being cheap. It's just like they didn't have the best roster options. Then finally this year, everybody's a free agent. And look, they signed a very good roster that we think could compete for championships this year. So I thought he was very well spoken and provided a pretty interesting insight into kind of how teams work. And maybe everything isn't as we kind of see it from the outside. There could be so much more, uh, which we knew. But it was interesting to hear him talk about how this, like it wasn't intentional that LAG just sucked and they were just trying to ride on the CDL's coattails, I guess.
1: Yeah, I I appreciate how candid he was uh in his you know being open with um you know just kind of the inner workings of uh that org over at lag um yeah i i guess i was anticipating that they were paying their guys you know a decent amount of money and uh you know even that you know underperforming squad of uh Assault uh silly and apathy along with vivid to start, you know, they were I mean, we don't know the specifics, but they were making above the league minimum and crim was even impressed with how much they were making, so yeah. that must be saying a lot. Um but yeah, like you said, really well spoken as well. I think he was working with the same like executives, but he was working like actually for the, the LA Rams, I believe. Yeah. Um and then they they asked him to come in kind of at the last minute to uh kind of head up the guerrillas org um from a GM standpoint. Um so I, I mean I think he's done a good job and uh obviously, you know, this year, uh kind of like we said, uh you know, this should be their best year to compete. Uh I don't know if they could have signed a much better roster, to be honest, with you know, who was already taken and you know, unless they honestly found another diamond in the rough am player uh i i think this will be their best best chance to compete for you know being a top tier team
0: yeah i i 100 agree uh another thing he kind of mentioned was uh or like Krim alluded to he didn't actually mention it because obviously this is something he can't really talk about but there's like kind of the hint and you can't tell trolley it was that maybe methods was their preferred choice over Krim for a possible AR spot until they finally were able to kind of get a hold of Slasher and make him the main AR, which is the clear choice. But that was something interesting, kind of maybe seeing a team prioritize a player's popularity. Although Krim is very popular, but doesn't create a ton of content. Where Methods obviously had blown up his stream in the time that he was a substitute. And then another thing that we don't have to talk a ton about, but he he mentioned that uh, Krim mentioned that the Vivid acquisition was a ton of money for Dallas. He actually isn't. He said it wasn't one hundred percent sure. But he thinks that it was more than uh, what 100 Thieves acquired Hook for, which is insane to think about because Hook was coming off a world championship, being one of the best players and is always viewed as one of the most talented players in COD history. Uh, And Vivid's a good player, but Hook has like a different rank to his name. When you hear his name, a lot of people think MVP, one of the most talented players of all time. And Vivid is viewed as a very good player, but he's not like an MVP, most talented player of all time. So it's interesting to hear that they potentially paid more for Vivid uh, than then thieves had to for hook, obviously not confirmed, but pretty interesting to hear, I guess.
1: Yeah, wasn't Clay's name brought into that as well? Like, uh, yeah,
0: he they said that, uh, who was it? Somebody, Paul X, I think they said Paul X's bio was more, oh, expensive right, than Clay, right, right? Which, I mean, Paul X, great talent, great player, but I mean, we all know he shouldn't be more expensive to buy out than Clayster, like <laughs> three time yeah. world champ. Like, that, that was absurd to hear that. Like, some people just have just a completely backwards view on the value of players, yeah. I mean. Again,
1: my 79th uh, plea for some specifics into (sighs) contracts and buyouts would be greatly appreciated just to, I I think for the amount of drama it would cause, it would also alleviate a lot of the speculation and rumors that kind of run wild on, on uh, Twitter and Reddit and stuff like that with, uh, you know, just like, you know, who, who has a buyout contract or a buyout clause and, you know, where do these guys stand? I don't need to know like how much, you know, uh slasher is making or whatever, but you know, just uh yeah, you know, just some kind of general info would be appreciated.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, I would agree 100%. We've we've definitely come to the cl- conclusion uh over the podcast though that we're on the complete same side of that one. Uh but speaking of money as well, the last little thing before we move on to slasher on the flank uh is We're going into the third year of franchising kind of maybe like they, they also mentioned this is maybe like the first real year of the CDL. Obviously we all know, uh, we've all been going through it for a long time. Year one was cut short pretty early, uh, by uh, a global pandemic. And then year two was pretty much all chalk to online, except for a little bit of the end of the year. Uh, but we're finally, hopefully fingers crossed, uh, going to get a full year of LAN and fans at tournaments and a full year of how the cdl is supposed to look whatever that means but how it was supposed to look with uh full venues and people paying for tickets and live events kind of like a traveling circus with the cdl so i'm excited for that we don't really have to talk too much about it but i'm just expecting big big things from the cdl i believe it's kind of a do or die i mean if it kind of flops this year with fully in-person events as long as we have that it's going to be looking rough for the future especially going into a game next year that is looking to maybe be a Modern Warfare Part 2 which don't have high hopes for so if the year flops this year we could be looking for another flop and it's going to be looking rough so it's a it's a big year for the CDL there's some pressure on them.
1: Yeah, I uh I have a few things just to highlight on that like obviously um a lot of the you know state of affairs, you know those are ever changing and you know I feel like at some point People just kind of have to learn to live with the you know the way the world is and uh you know i you saw the c d l being pretty cautious with uh you know maybe they could have gotten back to land in cold war earlier than they did, but obviously we're glad that they did it provided you know one of the greatest events we've ever seen with the stage five major and then uh you know obviously champs was champs um and then uh you know we I, I guess we. It kind of goes into what the what the format will be, and we'll we'll kind of give our hypothesis on what we'd like to see later. But uh, you know, will we see you know just a slew of lands, or will it be a kind of a hybrid? Uh, some online, some land, and obviously we'd like to see full lands, but uh, you know that might not be feasible. And you know we. I, how where do you balance how many matches you see with how many lands because obviously like you know getting everyone out to a location is one thing and then you know it it takes a lot of money and time and manpower to set those up um so yeah just a lot of things uh and yeah i'm i'm hoping that we'll see you know the league in full force this year obviously um but yeah just uh I, I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say it's a make or break year, but I feel like every year that they don't capitalize on, you know, growing the uh, the fan base, uh, they're kind of just like, you know, stagnating with who they have, and then you know we've seen so many retirements and uh, the league just thinning out, and you know, challengers is kind of stagnating as well. Um, yeah, so I mean, it is kind of getting to that pressing issue with uh you know we we kind of got to step this up a little bit.
0: Yeah. 100%. Uh we do it's it's going to be a make or break year. I'm a little worried but I believe uh they can get it done. They're going to potentially have the retirement of Scump coming up at the end of the year too, so they've really got to bank on um maybe really milking him to drive viewership as much as they can and get as many fans in before he potentially leaves. Uh, but moving on to another episode of The Flank, which is our other big piece of news, Slasher was on there, uh, kind of talking about the whole situation with 100 Thieves last year, LA Thieves, how things went down. Obviously, a messy year for them. Uh, we know it was a messy year. He uh, confirmed that it was a messy year. I mean, just looking from the outside and seeing that many roster changes, you know you know, something was going on that wasn't right. Uh, with this one, we can... Maybe there's a little bit less to talk about here, maybe, so we can go through it a little quicker than we did with Krim on The Flank. but. Uh, he starts out kind of talks about his past year, how he struggled through some stuff. Uh, he got benched pretty quickly after, uh, his grandfather passed away. And then I think he said a couple weeks later, he got a call from his mom that she was diagnosed with cancer. Obviously uh, a super, super tough time for him. I think he did say though, that his mom's cancer is at least in remission and stuff, and she's doing a lot better. So that's awesome to hear. Obviously g- glad to hear that. Uh, and he said, yeah, he was going through a really tough time during the season, uh, was Sleeping, sleep central, absolutely chalk, sleeping basically the whole day, waking up at 8 Uh, p.m. He was really thankful for Lamar. Accuracy was his roommate at the time, kind of checking in on him, keeping him up, uh, which is also good to hear. Another god player supported another one, which we always like to hear the good stories of the scene. But a super tough time for Slasher. uh, And to be honest, every time he played, he played pretty damn well for everything he was going through. I'm sure uh, he had a lot in his mind. Obviously, anybody is going to have a lot in their mind when... uh, they have a family member, especially a parent, going through something like that uh, and going through a loss. A lot in his mind, and during the pandemic, he couldn't travel as much to see her, so um, had to be pretty unbearable to play through. Uh, and then you have to go through your first real, real benching of your career. Uh, so it was just another like crazy situation where it's like we didn't know what was going on. Slasher keeps everything so private. We were like, they were saying maybe he benched himself, and it's like that's like a one reason why with stuff like this, you just don't always want to speculate because. Uh, nobody could have speculated what was going on and how tough it was. Uh, and it always seemed like a guy like Slasher would never bench himself, uh, which is something I mentioned when he got benched. I was like, there's no way this dude bench himself. He's too competitive. Uh, and it sounds like he didn't bench himself. He didn't want to be benched. But uh, the fact that he was able to play through uh, a lot of this for a majority of the year and play so well, uh, it's just a testament to um, how strong of a mental forward dude he has. And I'm, I'm glad everything seems to be doing better uh, with his mom and his family now. But uh sounded like he was really excited to get back out there and compete this year and has has some things to prove because he didn't like the way the uh, the organization handled last year,
1: yeah., uh, I really kind of appreciated where he's like, you know everything that I do, you know, on Twitter and you know on on the uh, you know on the game and everything that's like slasher, but then like there's this whole like reserved Austin litico that's like, he doesn't like to understandably he's a very private person i don't think it's uh incumbent on people to be you know fully disclosing everything that's going on in their life um you know people are entitled to their own privacy i definitely think um but yeah just you know obviously great to hear that you know he uh you know things are looking up for him and he obviously he's on the team that he wants to be on now um and you know, his mother's doing okay, but you know, obviously you could hear him getting choked up a little bit on the yeah. the flank too. There was kinda some raw emotion and uh yeah, I don't think we hear enough of that in the scene, uh, to be honest. But, you know, obviously it's gotta be genuine and authentic. Uh but yeah, I mean just to come back and grind like he did and he obviously, you know, Thanos on land. <laughs> I think this one yeah. uh reiterated a lot. Um yeah, obviously he came back and played Unreal. Uh, and, you know, he, he was even critical of, like, you know, he's like, oh, man, my control could have been so much better. Like, but, you know, he was frying in hardpoint and everything. Um, and, you know, kind of knowing that Octane was coming back uh, to 100 Thieves and he kind of was talking about, you know, how he was trying to package himself up as, with, uh, with Envoy maybe or, uh, you know, to kind of stay on thieves, but he kind of saw the writing was on the wall. So, um, yeah, just, you know, obviously a very, he's a, you know, staple player in the cod scene. Uh, and I don't know. I I don't really want to rag too much on hundred thieves for how they managed it. I, I think, you know, slasher being benched was like one of their 10 roster moves and, you know yeah. with hook venom tj all those people being juggled in and out of the roster um just you know it, it was a it wasn't a really ideal situation for anybody to be honest uh and you know slasher just happened to you know be one of those roster moves that uh you know he was benched and he didn't even play the play the game and you know he you know they're they're talking about how you know eights aren't really a thing anymore nobody's playing eights and uh mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of mind blown <laughs> why that doesn't happen and uh i don't know just just a lot of you know he's he's a really good podcast guest i i think uh so you know, well he, spoken he, yeah he offers a lot of well that's because he has a college degree yeah um, the only card <laughs> <laughs> right um but yeah just you know always you know uh, a two hour flank episode but it, it's just it's so easy listening and um
0: but yeah just a, a lot
1: of things and uh
0: yeah he's he's always been one of my favorite players i've said it forever uh, and this definitely made me like him even more maybe move him up by list uh, just the amount of respect uh, i gained from him, especially like on top of obviously all the family stuff we mentioned and how much that had to be weighing on his uh, his mental with getting benched and everything, then he talked about how he knew like eight months ago Octane to Hunter T was a done deal. So he basically knew that like after the season he was a free agent and he didn't know his job security was looking like because he knew he was off Hunter Thieves. Like that's also something that Ways on your mind whenever you know, like you might not have a job next year and you know somebody's taking your spot, pretty much guaranteed. Like the only way he probably could have saved a spot is if he was like champs MVP and they won it. Like that was maybe the only way he could save a spot. And even then, it might not be enough because Octane to Hunter T seemed like such a done deal. So on top of everything he was going through mentally, that probably added another aspect that was really tough to deal with and uh made the year harder. Just just gained a a, a huge amount of respect. I already had it for him, but this just confirmed that the the respect was actually earned and not something false. Uh the only other thing I want to talk about, because uh, we've talked enough about uh, the mental aspect for him in 100T. Like I agree with you, I don't really want to rag on 100T. I think it was a tough situation. They came in kind of late into the year this year. Didn't know if they were going to have their spot. Kind of had to scrap together their roster. But the other thing I thought that was interesting to talk about a little bit of the past uh, was going into MW. Kind of the stuff he mentioned about that uh, OGLA roster that he was a part of uh, going into the year. It sounded like Dashi kind of agreed that, you know, this is what we're going to do with the roster, slash is going to be the AR. I'm going to be the flex, run a second AR if I can, but going to have to run a sub in sub situations if that might come up. And then immediately after signing the contract, he was like, no, nah, I want to go to Huntsman. And they were like, uh, you wanted to play with us, which I can see how that would make the situation bad when you have a guy saying he doesn't want to play with you before you've even played your first match. That makes some awkward tension uh, on a team. And they tried to trade him for gunless it didn't work out that's what they were trying to work and i think that would actually made maybe both teams pretty interesting i think that could have helped ogla out a ton and helped gunless out a ton giving him a more natural role but the more interesting thing i want to talk about if you don't have uh, anything to say on that one was their mw targets uh, if you want to mention those going into the year instead of dashi and jkap who they were potentially looking at
1: yeah so it was brought up in the uh... Obviously, in, in the same episode of the flank, that they were potentially looking at Pharaoh and Mac. Um, obviously, Mac went on to uh be on the subliners, Pharaoh, you know, came into the mutineers squad and was obviously a game changer on, on that squad. Um, late great Pharaoh, RIP. Uh, yeah. But yeah, being uh, obviously, they would they would have uh taken Dashi and JCAP's spot, so like where they would have filled in. Uh you know, Pharaoh I think, you know, he played in 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 the 5v5 he played a flex kind of. Um or you know, he 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 really ran he ran everything and uh Mac was kinda along the same lines. Um so you would have had Slasher on main and then Mac and Pharaoh running whatever. And then uh you would have had PJ on sub and then kenny on sub as well yeah just yeah. i mean that's a really good roster uh
0: it would have been a great roster. i mean
1: just kind of seeing where everything uh wound up for those two players and uh you know thinking of how slasher could have you know provided some leadership and uh you know, obviously, we don't really know what the whole, I mean, there's been a lot that's been said about, like, how that OGLA squad was run, and, like, you know, they. I think they had a, uh, oh, God, who was the GM of that squad? Uh, Mud Dog. Mud Dog, okay. Didn't they have uh who was the guy that used to host uh, the podcast with uh, Nameless? Pac-Man. Wasn't Pac-Man involved in that squad? he was their coach just start. Okay. yeah, yeah that's, that's right. That's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, just like, I don't know. We, I, I don't, but just thinking of how that squad was, uh, I don't know. I, I it would have been interesting to see. I, uh, obviously we didn't get to see it.
0: Huh. um, but one thing uh, I'll say about that squad, um, You know, if anybody that listens to this podcast decently, Kyle, you know all too well, I'm probably too obsessed with it, but I love playmakers. I love guys that take routes. That's the playstyle I have when I play. And oh my God, this team would have been taking routes. You've got slasher to hold things down. Pharaoh, that dude is one of the best playmakers we've ever seen. Uh, That's why he was one of my favorite players. Uh, obviously, when he was still playing, he was just the route man. He would make every play out of an impossible situation. Mac kind of does the same thing. He makes some weird plays, and you got a guy like Kenny. You know his finesse ability to make plays, and then TJ would just headbutt you in the front. Like that team would have had the playmaking. But one other thing I wanted to mention for my Bo4 guys out there, I know you aren't as much of a Bo4 guy, but that's my game. Like that was the game I loved, like one of my favorite games. And they mentioned something about their roster in Bo4 that they were actually like slasher had to finesse his way to keep Kenny on the team. They almost dropped Kenny instead of Pharaoh and black ops four. Uh, I know Pharaoh and slasher just did not get along at all. in black ops four, they're kind of our two very stubborn personalities at the time. And they just kind of butted heads uh, And Slasher's stock was higher at the time because he was playing really well. And Kenny and Pharaoh were both struggling to start the year on a hundred T and, uh, Slasher obviously was the longer tenure player, so I think they kind of went with uh, him, especially with his stats being better than Pharaoh's at the time. And it was between Pharaoh and Kenny, and apparently everybody wanted to drop Kenny, even though he was coming off his crazy World War II year. And Slasher was like, no, I think Kenny has more potential, so he wanted to drop Pharaoh. And he basically had to get Octane and finesse Octane to get on his side and get on the side of Kenny, so that way they could keep him. And then they wanted uh, Slasher and uh, Octane came over obviously convince him to get kenny the rest is history and obviously keeping kenny was a great decision because they won so many events but crazy to think about the implications that could have for the league kenny could have been off that team um would have never hit florida on one of those events like who knows where kenny would be now what team would he be the franchise player for like just crazy to think some of the implications that uh that that could have had
1: yeah um wasn't that also uh based around Kenny changing guns that he was using
0: like yeah he was, he, using,
1: he was using a SOG or yeah uh, he was
0: using the SOG and and
1: then he went to the Maddox
0: yeah and to, to start the year the SOG was actually like a pea shooter like you couldn't get a kill with it it was so bad and then they buffed mm-hmm. it like towards the end of the year and it got like amazing but he couldn't use a the SOG they switched him to a Maddox because basically I don't know why it took teams so long to realize it but in that game like you just need to put your best players in the Maddox because it was by far the best gun so like it took LG like six months to realize that, Hey, you know, formal, he's kind of talented. Maybe we should throw him on the Maddox and put skies on the main air. And then they did that. And all of a sudden they were a top four team Like it shouldn't have been rocket science, but apparently it was. And then they finally let Kenny run it. And guess what? He started frying. Cause he's one of the most talented players. But like, it was just crazy to hear how, like, I mean, that's a maybe octanes not on a hundred thieves, like that, the slasher finessing to keep Kenny on the roster, like changed the course of like the CDL really, because, uh, Maybe they don't win that much. Octane doesn't become a legend. He doesn't join Hunter T. Like Kenny isn't their franchise player. Like it's crazy the way things could have changed. Uh, mm-hmm. Slasher didn't finesse for that. But I think, is that all we got for Slasher on the flank? You got uh, anything else you want to talk about or you want to move yeah. on to some of the yeah, other that,
1: stuff? Yeah, I think we can
0: keep moving. All right. The next thing we want to talk about, don't know like how much time we have to spend on this, but I feel like with the way the COD scene's been the last week, really since our last podcast, we have to mention it everybody is making their top 30 lists a few weeks before this whole craze started we made like our top 15 each list which i feel like overall we were pretty in line with a lot of people except for your blasphemous parasite top 15 take <laughs> i back. knew that I was
1: gonna i knew that I was gonna get dragged up again
0: because <laughs> i mean we saw a lot of the list people don't have him top 30 and obviously, i mean parasite is an all-time great nobody's gonna debate that but man I can't believe you had him in top fifteen. Still, uh, we could have gotten, I wish. I wish we would have had that. Maybe more in this in this craze. Maybe would have got brought up and really would have blown up on Twitter. And you would have you would become a meme for putting him so high. I mean, he he would have loved you though. You might have become his favorite podcaster. Uh, but everybody's been going crazy with these top thirty lists. There was the crazy Ben Benverse Aches uh, debate. And I mean, any of you that know me, uh, Patty P. Uh, I met him at Champs in Black Ops Four in a Whole Foods. Kind of was just walking through. Uh, I had my just like a standard Call of Duty League sweatshirt I bought the first day of the event. It was the night before they were playing units on main stage. He saw the sweatshirt and I didn't even like approach him. Like he was shopping with Joe Fries, if any of you know him. He's an OG Halo guy. I uh, used to create content for a lot of organizations. Was with EG at the time. Um, actually, no, he was with Envy with AXE and i was just walking through whole foods i didn't want to bother aches i saw him. i was like oh that's really cool um i wasn't gonna ask him for a picture or anything because i mean the dude's shopping for his groceries he doesn't want to be bothered and he saw me with a sweater on and he said hey you're going to the event this weekend and it was like oh that's pretty cool like he stopped took the time actually like pulled me aside to try to talk to me and i had a conversation with him for probably about five ten minutes and he was probably one of the coolest pros i met that weekend was like a super nice guy which i mean from the outside you kind of think he's a toxic dude and he has a big personality but like he was so nice to talk to like kind of talked to him about the matches and stuff, got a little, like, insight into his his philosophy for the weekend with them maybe not having the greatest team and stuff. I told him that they were going to smoke units uh, the next day. I think they got 3-0'd off the stage, um, and Akes got smoked, but still, like, one of the coolest guys I talked to, so just listening to him scream trajectory at Ben, like, a million times, had me, like, dying, um, and him just laughing yeah. at selling him over TP had me dying, uh, but crazy debate that's been going on, Kyle, with his top 30 list.
1: Yeah, I mean... I guess part of the thing is, like, you know, you have these old he- like older guys, like uh, Nameless and, you know, aches has been around for a while. Uh, so I-, I-, I think naturally they, they just want to see more respect on the older like, quote unquote, era. Um, you know, a lo- you have a lot of people like arguing for, you know, big timer being in there. Um, yeah. You know, because obviously he played back in like cod Four one nationals and then you know continued into like the mw3 era. i mean just you know a bunch of like you know the og like you know for me it would have been like middle school into high school era that i didn't mm-hmm. i didn't even know competitive COD was a thing and you had guys like big t and you know nameless was definitely part of that era as well uh or he began in that era
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: um but it, like, I, I think their argument was like, where do these, like, how do you quantify, like, you know, your simp and a BZ who have been so good recently with, you know, guys that, you know, were so good back in that era. Like you have, like, I think AXE's big argument was like, you have to put them on the same playing field. Like yep, they were beating the guy, they were beating the best in the world at that point. You know, Simp and Ibiza are beating the best in the world at this point. So how are they not on the same playing field? Like, how is Big T not on the list and Simp and Ibiza are top ten? Like, yeah, I definitely appreciate that argument. And I think you know a lot of the Ben, Ben Jana Sim, and like on the flank, he was, uh, you know, his argument was like the competition is so much better and the trajectory of their careers. Like, Mm and then you had every time he's like trajectory yeah that, that was comedy you're gonna yell at me about trajectory <laughs> and that yeah just a lot of it was just funny um it was comical but i i definitely think there was a, a legit argument there um mm-hmm. i found myself you know citing like you know taking both of their sides i was like you know ben yeah ben is both really bad good point. Yeah, yeah so just what are your thoughts there
0: i will say um I like, I see why you want to put trajectory in because obviously like projecting out, I think Simp and Ibiza have a chance to be the one and two players of all time. I think Celium will eventually be past TP. I personally side on the fact that he's not right now. I mean, TP has like 12 more championships, the same amount of rings, did it for a lot longer. Uh, I think Celium will pass him. And I get both sides of the argument because Ben's saying his trajectory tells me that he's going to be better, which makes sense. That's logical. Uh, it's not a bad take. But I think you got to do it more based on right now. Uh, and I liked Ake's argument with that. And the other thing I kind of liked um, with the whole argument, too, that he brought up was, you know, you say, like, that one era was, like, so much worse and everything. But you're no doubt top five players of all time. All were dominating back in that era. Like, I don't think anybody will argue right now that the top five players of all time in whatever order are Krim, Scump, Karma, Clay, uh, and Formal. Formal was the latest one to the party he came in in ghosts from Halo, but he was dominating Halo before he came over in ghosts like and Halo, the scene back then was one of the most competitive eSports scenes of all time that scene in Halo before the ghost days uh and Halo three and all that was one of the most competitive scenes we've seen so like well, yes, it's like the it's the you're never gonna like be able to close his arguments the age-old debate in sports too with like jordan's era were they a lot worse than lebron's era and then like back to bill russell and wilt chamberlain magic johnson was their era worse and like it's that age-old sports debate that you can never like it's so fun to talk about but everybody's always going to be it's like the old heads you hear talking about basketball nobody could ever be better than jordan uh and some people are going to be like nobody could ever be better than aches from back in his day it's just like it's that age old debate you're never going to settle but there's an argument for both sides. I agree. I, I don't know where to side, but I, I saw both their points. Uh and I don't necessarily I mean, I know the Ben's list was made off the criteria of Black Ops two and on, and I don't agree that should be the case. Like I get that's the way he made the list, but personally I don't think that you should just do black ops two and on i know when we did our list we did that but that was only because neither of us have a great knowledge of what before bo2 is but if you're a pro player that played then and you have that knowledge like a guy like zuma who's more attached to the scene and like knows it more i believe you gotta at least somewhat include uh like the 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 games before black ops Two because like not having a guy like merc in there is just blasphemous to me
1: yeah i mean like i definitely agree with the whole like we have to freeze time right now and just evaluate you know, if Simp and BZ were to step away from competing forever, where would they stack up? Like, you know, as if, like, they're not going to get more wins. I, I think that's the argument that uh, that Aix was making. He's like, you have to take where they're at now. You can't say, like, oh, in, in three years, they're going to be number one and number two. Like, mhm i don't know so i i definitely think it was a you know an interesting debate and i i think there's no there's no clear-cut right answer um but you know any kind of drama in the cod scene is always a, a welcome addition
0: yeah all right you ready to move on to our next thing this one should actually be a short one we said the last one was going to be a wasn't but this one should be a short one yeah let's go um aqua retires from comp um sad to see him go one of my cousins that uh, likes to watch competitive cod it is no doubt his all-time favorite player not close so he was probably actually the saddest person he's like maybe the biggest aqua stand. he was probably the saddest person i, I texted him because he doesn't really check twitter all that often i texted him when it happened and he was so sad obviously we don't think aqua was gonna get a roster spot not necessarily maybe because he doesn't deserve it he is a fantastic player but he is just honestly his whole career Maybe for lack of connections in the scene, he just has been put in pretty just not great situations. I mean, his real coming out party was an AW uh, with like kind of a random squad of Nagafen and Remy and Facento. Really, the only guy known at the time was Facento. That kind of random squad of guys came together and took second at champs, losing to the denial squad that like out of nowhere, and then. Uh, he ends up getting another third place at the next champs in BO3 and kind of from there wins a couple events with Elevate and that search and destroy squad. He was the hard carry of that team in respawn too. Like a great player, then kind of coming out of those games. Uh Black Ops 4, he gets a very good team. They get like a couple thirds, a couple seconds, I think, with Splice, kind of fall off towards the end of the year. And then since then. Modern Warfare in this past year hasn't been able to find a good roster, which killed his stock. Obviously he plays the worst position to play when you're trying to be a fringe player because there's so many ARs and only 12 spots. Uh, he's a guy that maybe got killed by the league shrinking uh, because he is one of those ARs that was always going to find a spot with the 16 to 20 teams there used to be and he would always find a way to make... He'd always be the guy picked up as like the 16th AR, but he'd find a way to make his team top 8 somehow. Like Just a great player. Uh, career seems to be cut a little short, but he has crazy raw talent i could see him being a guy that could tear it up in warzone
1: yeah i don't know what his (laughs) trajectory here we go with trajectory (laughs) uh what his you know retirement trajectory is um you know whether he i'm not aware if he
0: streams a lot or not uh i think he does play Warzone a pretty good amount stream but i'm not not sure
1: all right yeah well i mean obviously there's always room for you know Warzone streamers, whether it's like competitive or just like, you know, the shoot the shit warzone streamers. Uh but yeah, I mean obviously we've seen uh you know COD pros go play Warzone and they're obviously like one of the they're like elite tier immediately, um just because of their like gun skill movement and you know, just overall ability to <laughs> to play the game and uh yeah, but just you know, play placed in you know sub ideal situations the last 2 years and like you said the league shrank it didn't do him any good um and you know he's another player that's you know um you know, finding the short end, short end of the stick here uh but yeah obviously wish him all the best going forward and uh you know just sad that we didn't get to see more of him and you know, maybe he wasn't the biggest personality i don't think that helped him either but uh, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, it's it's sad to see him go because he's another OG player and a very good one at that. Uh, that one is like apathy too. Franchising, just really, he had some bad situations in franchising, and that kind of seemed to kill his stock as well. Uh, yeah, I agree. Echo it. Wish wish him nothing but the best. Hopefully, see him blow it up in content and kind of help um, push that back to the league because he seems to be a guy that still is very passionate about competitive God. So hopefully, he can continue to blow up and kind of cycle that back to the league uh, as he said i think he talked about how he'll still be watching and kind of paying attention and stuff uh, i don't know that'll be the end for him i feel like he might get offered a random challenger spot and grind and maybe with expansion he might come back because if i was looking at an expansion and he was a guy that came to me I'd, I'd i'd think about picking him up as an ar so i, I don't know if he's done i hope he's not done because i think he can still play but if he is done i hope to see nothing but success for him uh and the next piece of news we had the Washington Demon Cats uh, team rumor name, potentially, for the Chicago NRG spot that could be switching. Uh, it seems the Washington rumor came out a little while ago. It seems to be pretty, pretty possible that the team could be in Washington. The Demon Cats name, who knows? Uh, but they also were rumored to be looking at Methods, Vivid, and Paul X, among some other players. Uh, thoughts, first of all, on the name, on the potential players, who they could pick up as a fourth if those three are confirmed
1: uh first thing I, I really like the name i actually um, do too
0: it's weird so uh, i kind of like it
1: the historical aspect of like i somebody like screenshotted a wikipedia page where it's like the demon cats from like the 1800s and it, like it's rumored to haunt like the capitol building and the white house or something like that <laughs> and um yeah just an interest really interesting uh little bit of like you know dc news uh but uh okay so we have ran- rumored players of methods vivid paul um so obviously they'd be looking for a a second sub um you know would it be crazy to see like a guy like tj halley he's methods' go here? His
0: friend so I, I personally i think that's the most likely fourth if this if this three is confirmed i think that's the most likely fourth
1: yeah i mean uh you could also see a guy like uh you know we would probably peg john to be one of the first subs picked mm-hmm. up if, if vivid does get a starting role um i know we were all saying you know vivid would be the first guy to come off the board for teams making moves but it seems like vivid might be getting a starting role now so uh, obviously something that we we hoped would happen but uh yeah
0: i mean i i think my initial thought would be tj halley i think i I would say TJ is the most likely. The other guy that comes to mind right away is the other most likely would be Temp. Temp also another very good friend of Methods, uh, and has played a sub a lot in the past. I could see him coming out of this team and being a sub with Vivid and putting Paul on the flex and putting Methods. I would say my top two candidates, and then a dark horse third candidate I think could be pretty likely is actually Saints. Uh, Methods is very high on him in Challengers this year. He's a very good player, a vet, pretty reliable. You know, I mean Saints has been playing since COD Four as well, and Every year you put him in an event, you plug him in on a team and he drops a 1.1. Like he's a walking 1.1 to 1.2. You plug him in. He's a slayer. He just goes a little rogue. Sometimes I know in the past, he was known to be a little toxic, which is why maybe he doesn't get as many good roster spots, but he's a instant plug and play at 1.1. Uh, the one time we ever saw LAG look a little decent was in modern warfare. When blast started to play the main AR and stuff, when aix was benched and saints was a catalyst that he had like a 1.3 at the event where they finally started to look all right and he's just kind of one of those catalyst guys that can just be your entry sub play super aggressive and get a ton of kills open up the map so in my opinion i think it'd be one of those three unless they're looking to go with a more superstar play uh maybe get like a challenger sub that we don't know about or something like that but i'd say yeah i would if this three is, is is confirmed with methods vivid and paul i'd look to tj saints temper john probably as their fourth because i think methods will want more of a vet to go with two young players like vivan and paul
1: yeah i'm totally agree
0: the one thing i will say about the well first of all with the whole demon cats thing people probably people were kind of roasting it but for me like weird names are good like they said on the flank a little bit too like subliners all the players hated it uh and then it grew on them they apparently had a rumored name of the new york pizza rats was also a potential name. Which talk about another weird name, but you can make some cool logos out of it. I feel like, uh, just like some overall just weird names, and the team. Uh, I like the way the team is because obviously they can't have like some crazy insane team because all the players are pretty much signed. But I kind of like the way they go with it. If if they end up going with a whether they go with a challenger sub or a TJ or a Saints or a Temp or whatever, any of those guys TJ Saints Temp john those are all fantastic players that can really help out a team but i think methods is a great first piece when you've got the scraps left to choose from methods is a very good ar and can be a winning ar on a staple maybe top six team but he also brings a popularity to your team that you need uh being a new organization maybe not having any fans bringing in a guy like methods helps you to get instant fans then you've got a guy like vivid who also has a decent following now that he's been around for a little bit but also has potential to be a superstar player at times we've seen it can make your team very good at search. Paul, we think he might have superstar potential. So like, I feel like it's a good balance. If these are your core three, you've got a guy who's super popular, can bring in fans, also a good player in methods, also not super old. He's only like 22, 23, I think. And then Vivid and Paul, potential superstar type players. I, I just like the way that they're going with known commodities, but also commodities that have a high potential to get better as well as some popularity with them. I think, I think it's a perfect storm and about as good as you can do uh, for a team that's really coming into the game late with not a lot to choose from if that makes sense
1: yeah exactly I mean do we expect this team to be a world beater obviously not um you know could they hang out in that like could they like reach a you know five to ten you know they're not going to be the worst team but they're not going to be the best team I, I think um you know they're yeah. definitely going to be
0: competitive uh when I yeah, look at so... them on paper too if they get TJ they're going to be a fantastic search team
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, like, you never know. Those teams that are fantastic in search, speaking of the guy we just talked about, Aqua made a career off it. Teams were fantastic in search, and if they could steal a respawn, they were winning a lot of series. Like, this team, if they, if right. they could Tiege with Vivid and Tiege as your subs in search, a guy like Paul who can get picks, only thing is I don't know if they have a sniper, but Methods also, is kind of a statue AR, can really get some picks in search. Like, this team has potential in search if it's Tiege as the guy and. I don't know. I could see this team. I mean, I don't think this team's going to be top three or anything, but I could see them sneak in. If it's another 18 playoff, they could sneak in eight seed, maybe pull off some upsets. Like this, this team has some potential for, for being a team of scraps. If this is the real roster, it's, it's pretty good. I would say.
1: Yeah. Speaking of, uh, you know, more rumored rosters. Do you want to talk about, uh, the Toronto rumor?
0: Yeah, not, not a huge rumor by any means, but, Ah, uh, people have talked about this guy like he is like potentially one of one of the up and comers. Hixie. I personally don't know a ton about him. I know he's an EU Challengers player, and I know people that talk about him and have watched him say he's very good. And usually, when we have this many people saying somebody's very good, uh, they actually are very good with guys like Hydra and Insight, uh, and hopefully Pred coming up here. But Hixie, potentially rumored to go there as a substitute, I'm not sure 100% what he plays. I thought he was a sub so maybe this is an indication that eh, if Bance doesn't play well he could go in Uh, if Kleenex is really unhappy to be on the team like the rumors might have suggested earlier he could go in but Toronto kind of really leaning into their identity of being an EU team
1: yeah I mean we saw uh, obviously we saw like Insight InSight start off uh, on the bench and uh, we kind of saw the writing on the wall for methods mm-hmm. being the first to drop there with the EU squad being realized he was uh Kleenex's old buddy from you know from BO4 I believe uh and you know I don't know I mean I I I like what Toronto's building over there I think that you know they're you know innocent until proven guilty <laughs> with uh, their squad <sighs> moves and stuff so uh you know I'd be interested to see him get in uh you know hopefully this toronto team doesn't have any struggles because i really like i really like what they're doing there but uh you know more exposure for eu is always a good thing for the cod scene so
0: yeah yeah speaking of eu cod scene uh next little thing we had to talk about was d real drill i'm not sure how to say his name really i don't know too much about him either uh he's apparently going to nysl as like an assistant coach I guess from what they talked about uh, on the flank a little bit, I believe it was, he was like a helper for Hydra. I believe he's from the UK uh, and he was kind of a helper for Hydra as he was first coming into the scene and first in challengers this year, helped him. I don't know if he speaks French or if that was what he was helping him with, with kind of getting the communication down or if he was just helping to teach him more COD, but it seems like a guy that Hydra is very comfortable with. So it makes sense for NYSL, I mean, from the outside perspective, a guy that, uh is specifically comfortable with the player. a player, player is very comfortable with him, young guy, you're trying to make him feel as comfortable as possible, especially because he's supposed to be uh he's supposed to be your MVP. He's supposed to be the guy that carries you to the promised land if you're to win as an NYSL team. So I mean, um this seems to make a ton of sense. Just bring in a guy that can help coach. That's uh makes one of your players comfortable and you want Hydra to be as comfortable as possible. So it seems like a pretty no brainer move to me.
1: Yeah. I mean Like we said, always happy to see more coaches being added to, uh, you know, these staffs and, uh, rosters and stuff. So, uh, happy to see that. And like we've said, Hydra, he's supposed to be, uh, your number one player on the team and, uh, you know, probably doesn't cost them too much to bring in another, uh, another coach and it will take more, uh, more pressure off of like you know just the main coach um you know, so just happy to see it uh you know ho- hopefully it helps Hydra acclimate more to you know the u s and uh you know will bolster their chances to perform well,
0: yeah, hundred percent moving on to our last piece of news before to before we go to our little uh c d l format here. Is Atura Nubsy as well? Uh, more coaches looking for jobs. Seems like Atura said he had something in line, it fell through, so he's still looking. Uh, crazy that these two guys are are still looking. I guess maybe not as crazy for Nubsy. I mean, I believe he's definitely a good coach, deserves to be a head coach uh, at the very least. Obviously, deserves to be an assistant coach helping out somewhere for like search and destroy specialty and stuff. I think the last two years kind of really chalked his his stock because he was obviously the coach of Seattle who saw, really, to say they saw a little bit of success is an under, or it's kind of overstating it. Uh, they saw like absolutely no success. So obviously, at some point, even if you're not a bad coach, that's going to reflect on you somewhat if you have two just terrible years, which he did. And then Atura, I mean, he won a few events as a coach in Florida. They kind of underperformed this year, but I, I think nobody said that that was his fault at all. They actually said he was something keeping them from really underperforming, like he's a great coach. So interesting to see that those guys are both still looking for jobs because I think we would both agree that um they both fully deserve to have a job, even if it's not a head coach, somewhere helping out a team because they seem they seem to be good at their job. Right.
1: And I think we've seen too that they're both pretty plugged into the challenger scene. Mm-hmm. Or, and they're two of uh, the
0: more vocal coaches.
1: Right. So I don't know. You would think that maybe one of these, like I don't know, maybe one of them could find their way to be, uh, you know, at least involved with this Demon Cats team, and maybe one finds their way to Paris or uh, something like that, or they find their way, you know, as an assistant on one of these established rosters. Um, I can
0: tell you right now, if if the Dallas Chicago or Dallas Optic team, they're sitting there with either Rambo or Sender. If they're only keeping one of them. I'm reaching out to Joey Nubsey or Ratura and saying, "Hey, you know, I can't offer you uh, a head coaching job. We've got Rambo or we've got Sender um, as our guy. Even if they're, I mean, I would assume if I had to bet on it, they are keeping Rambo as the head coach, and then either Sender's leaving for a different head coaching job or staying on as kind of an assistant, co-coaching the team with him. If I'm that uh, optic team, I'm like, you know what? We've been just like not wanting to get these coaches." all the time it's kind of our fault a lot of people say like hey one of you guys want to come join help our staff out like, i'm offering the bag or if i'm one of these teams like seattle i mean they're not going to bring back nubzy because they let him go but they only i think have the one coach in phoenix i may bring a on to kind of go with him uh just something like so, any of these teams you've got to reach out and at least inquire about it because these are these are two fantastic coaching candidates Hmm.
1: yeah totally agree uh and you know our 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 constant pleas for the building out of coaching staffs hopefully will not go will not fall on deaf ears hopefully not
0: all right you ready to move on to our little little last segment here of our thoughts on the cdl format
1: yeah for sure um so this is something that uh has kind of been a passion project i guess you could say of mine where uh you know obviously year one of franchising uh we had these home stands with eight teams and they were just ripped to shreds by the pros. Like, you know, it's, it's a Mickey mouse championship. Mm. You know, you're, you're not playing, you're, you're essentially playing show matches like that are already predetermined. Uh, you know, there was no rhyme or reason to, you know, who was playing, who, um, and obviously, you only had eight of the twelve teams there. And then obviously, COVID moved stuff online. And then this year, you had these pool play, like you had these uh, like two groups and five pool play matches, and then that would determine your seating for the major. And then there were, obviously there were five majors, and then champs. And then all all along, you had these accruing cod points um, that ultimately did end up eliminating four teams from even making it to champs. So our kind of exercise for ourselves was, um, you know, how would we improve the CDL format? Uh, you know, given the current status quo with 12 teams, uh, with the goal of increasing overall competitiveness of the league, uh, while also improving and, and simplifying the viewership. So obviously we're trying to bring in new viewers to the league and, uh, you know, but not make it too complicated. Like, okay, like we need a math formula to figure out, you know, who won this match or something, or, you know, who's playing who, um, we want to avoid that. We want to make it as simple as possible. Um, and then also with the ability of this format to, uh, scale with eventual expansions. Uh, so like we don't have to scrap and rework it every season. Like we don't have to go back to home stands with eight teams or something. Uh, we we, we want to keep it, you know, inclusive um, and with the ability to expand. Um, and, you know, whether and then uh, are we going to add some online component uh, or are we going to keep it with lands and are we going to do lands and the mm-hmm. franchise locations or are we going to keep them in Texas and L.A.? Um, so I guess, uh, do you want me to lead off on this with my thoughts or... Uh, Did Um, you have
0: any? I guess I'll let you go with like what your ideas for the format are first. But one thing that you mentioned, kind of how everybody hated that first year format, which I did as well. The one thing I do want to somehow—I don't—I haven't really like thought of a one hundred percent great way to do it because it could get into a whole fairness debate of how you determine who gets it. But I like the idea of home series in a way, like traveling. Like I don't think. Every event should be in Texas or LA, kind of like it was this year uh, at the esports arena and stuff. Like, I, I like the idea of traveling to each team's city. Maybe you don't do all twelve in one year because that could get for a lot of events and stuff. Okay. Maybe you have like one central location for a regular season and stuff. But I like the idea of kind of a traveling circus of going to each team's city to help build out that fan base. Like when I was at that Minnesota event, dude, people were going crazy for the Minnesota team that had no names on it, like no big names. Uh, so that that's like something. I guess that's like my one takeaway. I'd love to find a way to work in those home series and go to each city and kind of have those show matches there.
1: Yeah. So, my, uh, I totally agree with everything you said with like, you know, we need to travel and, uh, obviously the more places we can hit up, the better. Um, so my initial thought is like the game launches in November. So, I think asking for an event in December might be a little bit too greedy. So I'll push it back to January. Um, so my initial thought is like, we do a show, a showcase uh, opening LAN in January. Um, it's not going to be like these show matches like we had last year, where it's like the fan voted ones. It's going to be like, we're jumping right into LAN. Um, you know, there's COD points on the line, but um the caveat is, is that we do, uh, we we just play straight up league matches, and we start accruing cod points, and that will ultimately uh, determine seeding for our first stage uh, playoffs, which will happen sometime around April. And then I would I would hmm. continue to keep some kind of online format, just for the sole purpose of having weekly matches. Um, and then, you know, every second or third weekend, we can pick up and go play a few matches at a LAN. Um, whether you need to have all 12 teams travel uh, to the LAN, I guess that would be a logistical thing. Um, but I, I'd like to see some, you know, like like you said, like the traveling circus of the COD League. Um, but, you know, these these players have lives, and it, it'd be kind of unrealistic to keep them on the road every single weekend um so you know maybe give them two to three weeks off in between lands and then that all culminates at like the stage one playoffs um for me that would kind of be an exclusive event where you do eliminate the bottom however many teams we can eliminate the bottom four teams that don't have enough cod points um Mm -hmm. but i i would i would make it not be like every team plays five matches i would have it be more like you know at least eight to ten matches by the time we get to stage one um and you know that would all be based on like logistics and how many matches we're playing on a given weekend um and then the winner of stage one would get an automatic one seed into cod champs and then and then we would wipe the slate clean and do it all again uh for stage two and then that would end sometime around June, July. And then, you know, so obviously COD points would reset so teams like, you know, the Seattles or the LAGs of the last two years wouldn't be like, you know, down bad. We're just gonna not try anymore. The year's chalked. Um and then the winner of stage two would get an automatic one seed into the other side of the bracket for uh for champs, and then we would take all 12 teams to champs and then play a bracket like that. Uh, similar to March Madness, you can give the one seeds buys, uh, through the first round with the ultimate, like, you know, if the one seeds matriculate into the finals, then you would have them ultimately meeting. Uh, and then you would also have a double elimination, uh, you know, obviously a loser's bracket as well. Um, so yeah, just, uh, I I think with the goal of increasing competitiveness, it keeps all the teams bought in for the whole year. Yep. uh, Because at least you can, you know, reset the bar in stage two. Um, You know, so if you happen to like only win a few matches in stage one, you're not totally like down bad. Like, you know, phase has 300 points and you only have 10 or something like it's not going to be, it's not necessarily going to set up like that. Um, I don't think it's too hard for, uh, you know, Maven or Merc or uh, Miles to be like, all right, the slate is wiped clean for stage yeah. two. Um, all the COD points reset. And let's say Toronto Ultra wins stage one. They have an automatic one seed buy into champs when that comes around. Um, and, you know, that's like, that's the goal for winning, uh, you know, your stages. And then um, I think that's it's easily able to expand with uh or you know you can scale that with expansion so we don't have to like you know rewrite the league every season um you know and I I just think that would I mean that would be my ideal thing I'm I'm open to suggestions uh but you know mm-hmm. if they want to come and hire me to make their <laughs> format I I'm totally open for it because I I just think that you know if you especially if you're changing the format of the league every year it just kind of becomes like what are we really doing like are we
0: it's hard for new people to get in
1: exactly so i'm interested to hear what your thoughts are and if you would have any like thoughts on what my my suggestion was but uh i know it was a little bit long-winded but it's something that i'm that at least i'm pretty passionate about and i hope that some of some of you guys out there at least have some kind of thoughts as well
0: yeah, I I liked a lot of what you said. The only thing I think I'd like to change is I'm a person that's always been about uh, a lot of events. I think I'd like to see more than like a stage one, a stage two, and then champs. Uh, I like I want to echo so much of what you said though because I do think uh, the idea of automatic bids is something that I've always been on board with. I think if there are however many events there are, I mean obviously unless you're considering that there's going to be like 12 events or like 10 events i don't want like 10 automatic bids into champs or into playoffs or whatever you have like or i don't want like six six automatic bids so that there's only like two people fighting for one in case there are really like two fluke wins or something then you have like a fourth ranked team in points that just happen to get second in every event doesn't make it in or something because of how how things happen but i like the automatic bid idea i think i'd want to up it to like four events instead of two though because i think that's one thing like There's a consistent thing in a lot of the years that people complain about, like people, a lot of people say black ops three, me, I'm one of those people that say black ops three, like best year for competitive, but man, I wish there was more events. There's only like four events that year, the whole year, like four tournaments and then just a bunch of regular season. Uh, the other thing I'll say is I don't want any online aspect of the league at all. I know some people might think it's unrealistic, but we did it for four years in like, I think at least four years in the Columbus studio, uh, the players would go for little two week stints to the Columbus studio they'd have like two separate pools there was a group A and a group B and they'd there i mean at that time there was 8 in each group which makes a huge difference which is another reason why we need that expansion um but they go for a little two week stints in Columbus i think you could that's where you could do your little traveling circus you could go for a little like weekend stints um every other week or every few weeks you could have like a a base where you'd play from all times like i mean I'm not going to determine a city for that. We'll say it's Texas, so like Dallas or something. Cause that's where a lot of people are near where they consistently play, uh, their events. And then maybe you go, uh, and, and like every few weeks you travel to a different city to play a couple of those. And then you have like, you pick out like four cities, uh, each year where you have your event and then cities can't repeat the next year, uh, until every city has gotten one. So like if Dallas and, um, I don't know, LA and Florida and I don't know, another city, Toronto host an event, uh, all in one year. Then none of them can host an event the next year. And then it goes to four other teams. And I I would like to see basically similar to what your format was, but with four teams. And then I know, I don't know how possible this is or whatever you want to say. It might not be that possible. Um, but I would like to see playoffs and champs be separate things. Uh, if that makes sense. I would like to see a world where only eight teams continue to make playoffs uh, and you have four tournaments, four teams get automatic bids based on uh, who wins the tournaments. If you have an Atlanta-Face situation where they win all four events, well, then they're the only team with an automatic bid and it goes to the next seven in the standings. Uh, Points-wise, I haven't really thought it through. I guess it'd probably be pretty similar to like the CDL points from this year. And then I would like to see those eight teams get seeded into like a playoff bracket where you're like, the... The season champs, and then you go to a champs actual tournament at the end of the year. Maybe if that playoffs happen in July, champs the World Championships happens uh, in in August, and you've got all twelve teams there. The teams get put into pools of four, and uh, the top eight from those pools make it out into a winners bracket where they all start in round 1 and then the bottom 4 go into a losers bracket. So they can't complain about being in a losers bracket right away because that's how the tournament's used to be. If you finish in the bottom of your pool, you were put in losers bracket because you finished in the bottom of your pool. And then I would personally love to see a uh, a way that um that all teams are forced to sign on an academy roster and then all those academy rosters compete. I know this isn't all that possible because we're in a franchise league, you know, so they they want to keep it uh keep it so that it's only the franchise teams, but I'd love to see a situation where all teams had an Academy team and they all played in like their own little open bracket, all 12 of them. And then, uh, you come down and you see there's 12 teams in pools. You have four, the top four challengers teams. One gets inserted, um, into each pool, maybe two go into one pool. I guess it's really awkward with three groups and 12. It's just an awkward number, but find a way that you can make it up to 16 and insert those teams into pools or somewhere into like the losers bracket of the tournament and make it like a 16 team type of champs because that's something that i'd be pretty interested to see i mean i want to see a bigger champs but that's the one thing i don't know is all that possible because of the way the league is formatted with franchise and you want to see your franchise teams in it but that's kind of my base thoughts on it uh, if you have anything to say on that
1: yeah i mean i'm all for um more events obviously always a good thing uh i was i guess uh you know i guess the the real solution lies probably somewhere in the middle (laughs) to be honest with um yeah yeah we just don't have like i'd love to see champs just be like a big bracket like a march madness style obviously we don't have 64 teams but like it's kind of hard to hype it up because every match just like seems to carry so much weight Um, which is a good thing, but it's it also detracts from like just the sheer amount of matches we can witness on a on a uh, daily basis. Um, with obviously there just being one stream and uh you know, every match is kinda like hyped up. It has a pregame, you know, they have to give their talking points and it, I mean I, I do like the show the show aspect of it, but it'd also be nice to see like you know a bunch like at least two or three streams going concurrently and then like you know we got some like bravo and charlie and you know just i i just feel like there's you know so much room for expansion with with stuff like that um but you know obviously as expansion comes you know teams will be uh you know they'll be kind of hesitant they'll be Probably no feasible way to run like a Bravo Charlie stream because it's like who wants to be playing while well, Optics playing on the Alpha or something, you know. Uh... Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I I'm all for automatic bids, like you said, with uh, you know, four with maybe four stages instead of two. I could I could definitely get behind that. But I I just think the the like the the main point of this exercise was to just kind of like reimagine what we could do with. cdl i'm like i don't know i i I feel like there should be some uh you know reworking of how we do it um i don't think it's a broken system right now i definitely think the uh the five majors keeps people interested uh for for uh, you know for the whole season um but then you get those situations where it's like we know that you know, four teams are eliminated, and then like you know, we have tactical Rab announcing that you know Surge have been eliminated at stage four or something. It's like, well, sh- well, shoot! Like, I was, I was, you know, if you're a Surge fan, you'd kind of like to see them uh, at least have an outside shot. So that's where like the automatic bids and like the the CDL points wiping at the end of a stage or something would be interesting. And then like with the automatic bids, it's like, well, you know, Phase has their spot locked up, so. Uh, just an interesting thought i uh i think it went well uh any any final thoughts on
0: that yeah i it's it's such a tough conversation to have because there is so much you could do with it there's probably so many aspects we're not thinking of i guess like to come up with a couple like main main things i want i want all land components i think that's what Agree. we were basically promised with the cdl i want everything land i think logistically the cwl with a lot less money found a way to make it work uh and i think we've got to find a way i don't know what it is but it's got to be all land and i think there has to be automatic bids for major wins uh because even if like let's say like this past year like how much did we complain over the last month and a half two months that like we know the eight teams that are making champs, like these tournaments really don't matter that much besides the fact that they're exciting to watch and people get their chips and it's on land so it's fun to watch again and like a seattle run is fun to watch but how much more fun would that seattle run have been to watch at that final major if they would have went harder going into it and all of a sudden they make a run to top six and you're like wait a minute now the seattle team just upset phase like they can make a run if they win this they're in champs or they're in playoffs whatever you want to call it like Those automatic bids have to be a thing because if you get into a situation where you're doing it based off CDL points again, and some teams start to get blown out, where your bottom four are just just terrible teams throughout the year, and they're down by a lot of points, like they were. Well, you never know. This is still COD. Any given Sunday, like teams can come out hot, uh, and these even these bottom four teams, like. But the way the league is, the bottom four teams are bound to have. Uh, some talent on them like we're thinking that Florida might be one of the bottom teams well they've got big wake and skies on the team like those are players that can take over games to be talented and and dominate games on the right day like if you've got a team like Florida if they're on the bottom but then all of a sudden the final major if it's four majors or whatever and they make that run and they get a win it's like it's so much more exciting it's still even if there's not a lot to play for in that last tournament there's still like that little hope that a team can make a run that's on the fringe and get their automatic bid so i think my main takeaways are we need all land and we need automatic bids
1: yeah, totally agree. Uh, like you said, uh, the automatic bids would you know it, it'd be really interesting to keep those for uh, or you know to, to implement those for teams that are you know struggling from a CDL points standpoint uh, because it seems like they really like their point system. So uh, yeah, like if if you keep an automatic bid, then these like losers bracket runs uh, become more intriguing rather than just like oh like you know surge is making a run but they're they're mathematically eliminated so you know I don't know
0: yeah it keeps everything interesting and it keeps teams like trying like I feel like LAG just kind of chalked it gave up Vivid gave up and put in Mental which they had like no reason to really put him in like it keeps teams from completely chalking it like I think you'd have to put in a a component where like you have to have a certain like that's all they used to do in the CWL like if you were going to keep your like guaranteed league spot. You had to have like a certain percentage of your roster still remaining. I think that'd be a good way to do it too. Like let's say the stage one major, like a team like thieves, let's say they would have won the stage one major this year. Well, you have to keep uh, at least two players from your roster that won it in order to keep your bid. Otherwise you give your bid up to the next highest point standing team like I think that'd be something to implement because like let's say thieves wins the first major their team just turns completely awful they drop their entire team to pick up a new team or they drop three players and pick up uh, three new players I think you should have to keep like a minimum of two of your players to keep your automatic bid if if that makes sense because like if the team that won the automatic bid is completely gone it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to just like say hey you still get it even though you don't have any of the same players Mm mm-hmm so, like I'd like to see a situation where you where you keep you only keep your automatic bid spot if you have minimum two players uh from the team that won that major. I guess you could make exceptions if there was some crazy circumstance, but like if as long as the players weren't like suspended or unable to play or something, then I think you should be able to to, to only keep your spot if you have at least fifty percent of your roster remaining. But other than that, i think I think our other thing that we would come to a common ground on that. We agree has to be in places. You have to have like a traveling circus type thing where you have to, you have to be going to multiple different franchise locations in order to build up the fan bases in those locations and kind of build those grassroots up. I think that has to be a must as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's what all the franchise spots were promised. Yeah. Uh, or at least that was like the big advertisement was like, Hey, like you get to bring the CDL to Seattle or you get to bring the CDL to Paris or Like we thank God we did get to see a London one. That one was ridiculous. That was actually the first event that I watched was uh CBL London.
0: Yeah, and the fans are crazy there. They're awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that was coincidentally the one that uh that optic one and you had gump screaming across the stage.
0: Yep. I think too though, the other thing um with that, like we said, and it, it all comes down to like everything comes down to the viewer. I think whatever they come up with, like you you mentioned, it has to be simple enough, and it can't constantly change. It has to be simple enough for the average viewer that gets into it to understand, because if there's one thing across sports or anything that you watch, esports, sports, like anything that could even be unrelated to that, any entertainment thing, if you initially get into something that's completely new to you and it is so overly complicated that you feel like it's a task to learn it, you probably turn it off. Most people would turn it off and just not even be like, I don't want to learn this new thing. It's so complicated. There's too much. It's got to be a pretty simple format that like, hey, there's regular season matches. If you win enough regular season matches, you get into this playoffs. Then if you win this playoffs, you're the champion. Like it's got to be something that's simple enough for the average viewer to get into, because if there's all these complicated tournaments with this and this and this, and it's so complicated to get into, like you might get overwhelmed when you first get in. Kind of like the thing I always use is I feel like search and destroy is like a good base game mode to get somebody. That's why I always say Rocket League is like. The best esport ever to consume because it's so easy to understand for the average viewer if you've never played a video game in your life you're like hey this is just soccer with cars okay i get it but like that's why i say like search and destroy is a good base everybody has one life there's one objective like if you just tune into your first match of call of duty because like your son watches it or something and you really want to like you want to watch with them check what it's about and you watch a hard point you never played cod in your life you're like what is going on like this is chaos so it's got to be something that you can allow people to get into the league and feel like they're eased in and not just thrown into a fire. I guess if you agree with that,
1: yeah, I'm. Like I said, that was one of the goals: is to increase the simplicity of understanding the league. Uh, I feel mm-hmm. like if you make it too complicated or it's just like in, in inherently too complicated, you'll just you'll never retain people for more than a few minutes. Like no, once that first commercial break hits, they're probably gonna never watch it
0: again nope it's something it's honestly like a barrier that's prevented me from getting into a couple other esports like the valorant world and how much people are passionate about it really interests me but i have i mean i don't really have a pc fully yet to play it on um for a while so it's like i don't know a ton about the game it's very hard to watch a game that's pretty complicated without ever having playing it like i'm sure after you play valorant a little bit it's not all that complicated to understand like at least at like a basic level but like for me i haven't played it so it's like it's there's the barrier of entry is there because it's like i don't really fully understand the game so i don't fully understand what i'm watching like and that's going to be always a barrier with esports is people um, may not have access to it might not know so at the very least you've got to make it easy for them to understand how teams are winning spots and how they're making the playoffs and stuff and i think finding a way to make the league relatively simple while also keeping it exciting for uh the the hardcore fan is is something that they've got to find a way to balance uh and i would assume they've got the people in place uh to help build that find um adam Apicella and get him involved he he built it with mlg i think he can do it again um, but i think that i think that was overall a pretty good discussion on that i hope you're happy with it cuz this was your topic you really 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 hey, were passionate about
1: yeah i'm 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 happy that we were able to cover it and i i feel like we you yeah, know obviously we could probably sit here and talk about it for a while but we're kind of beating beating it like in circles almost with uh yeah. I, I think we want to see the league improve but uh you know or continue to improve i should say uh because mm-hmm. I, I i think this year was a step in the right direction agree um, but yeah just overall happy with that uh you know move into our last little bit here
0: yeah our, our little sports moment of the week uh it can be a down bad it could be something you liked Personally, I liked uh, the Colts win this week and now I'm extremely down bad because I checked the score of the Titans game and the Bills went for it on a fourth and one on the goal line. Uh, We're recording this during uh, that Monday night game and the Titans won, which I'm extremely sad about because I'm going to be attending the Titans Colts game in Indy in a couple weeks. And uh, if the Titans lost this week to the Bills and then lost to the Chiefs, they'd probably be playing for the division lead uh, come that game. So I'm a little sad the titans just won that's my down bad sports moment of the week just happened live uh the titans won i'm pissed
1: mine would have to be my uh my own six lions (laughs) um for those of you that don't know i'm a massive michigan and detroit sports uh homer so uh, lions have been bad my entire life Uh, (laughs) year one of a new coach new gm uh haven't won a game they've found new ways to lose uh, it's impressive here. at least this at least this week wasn't too bad i mean you, know, you got beat by joe burrow pretty fair and square yeah um, but uh uh you know i i've personally resolved to not uh <laughs> angrily tweet about the lions for three seasons can you believe that rough. three years yeah i know my tongue's gonna be bleeding in a few weeks <laughs> from uh from holding back but uh yeah so just you know, pretty down bad as a as a Detroit sports fan in in whole. But you know, hopefully things are looking up for a few of our teams. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I'm not gonna get too excited or too down. Um, yeah. But you know, it, it's never fun when your football team stinks in the fall. Uh, no, because never. you know it, it's it's you know by far and away the most popular sport in America. Uh, NFL is so uh, it's it's always bad to. It's never fun to have a bad NFL team, so I, I've no. been not. Ha- I'm, I've been not
0: having fun for my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I've fortunately been pretty lucky because the Colts have been pretty good my whole life with Peyton and Luck. But a couple, mm-hmm. so we're not both so down bad. A couple like uh, sports moments for me at least are positive this week. Is This is getting recorded on Monday night, but at the time of this, it's Bucks opening night. Most likely this will probably get uh, up on a Tuesday. Bucks ring ceremony, the banners getting raised. So that's something I'm hyped about for the NBA to come back because at least I know unless there's some injuries that happen, at least I know my team's guaranteed to be at least a contender this year, which is something nice about the NBA. And then also I'm looking at it right behind me right now. I actually, uh, I do a little bit of like sports collectible trading this week. I made a big purchase. I bought a signed Andrew Luck uh, Nike on field jersey. To add to my collection with my Ty and my Darius jersey, uh, I've got a Giannis canvas. I've Got a bunch of signed gear, uh, and I added uh, my favorite athlete of all time. I added a signed Andrew Luck jersey to the collection. So that was that was probably the best sports moment of the week for me, honestly.
1: Well, congratulations! I'm very happy. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> very happy for you.
0: And I'm excited to see the Bucks tomorrow. They play the Nets. I hope they just like. I hope they all walk up to James Harden with the ring and just shove it in his face because. Uh, he seems to really think that for some reason that should be his ring, but if you've got nothing else to say, I'm ready to kick it out here. Yeah. Let's wrap. All right. So obviously this is a bit of a long episode, but we had a lot to talk about. I think, I think we both got a little long winded because we were just so excited to finally have some news to talk about that. We weren't kind of, uh, forcing our way into some actual news that had some, some substance to it that we could actually, actually talk about. Um, but it was a pretty fun one overall. Got in a topic that we've kind of been brainstorming for a while. Uh, just waiting for the right time to actually discuss what we'd like the CDL to look like. I think it was a good episode overall, though. Obviously, if you guys are listening on all the audio platforms, uh, kind of a new avenue for us trying to, trying to build that up. So if you guys could drop a follow on there or um, support it however you can on whatever platform you're listening on, whether it's uh, directly on Anchor or on Spotify or Stitcher uh, or any of those uh, audio listening platforms. Uh, and then obviously if you're on YouTube, we're very close to hitting that 300 sub mark. Been stagnant for a little while in this kind of dry spell for the CDL, but close to the 300 sub If You guys could drop a like uh, and comment on this video, your thoughts on anything we talked about. There was a lot here. Uh, and then obviously subscribe as well uh, if you enjoyed it. But that's going to do it for this one. Uh, that is all for this. Uh, Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Hopefully we got some more news soon to talk about. Otherwise, if you guys have any ideas for something you want to hear, if you maybe want to hear me and Kyle go fully in detail and drop our top 30 list uh, so we can get absolutely flamed, let us know in the comments. Maybe that's something we'll do next week if it continues to be a little slow in the news department, but that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you in the next one.